Meg. I'm here with Eli. Hey, Eli. Good afternoon. How are you? Just great. Tell me what you've been watching. Lady, what haven't I been watching? Wow, lady. Yeah, you are you are a lady. Thank you. A lady of the afternoon. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, not quite lady of the night material, but lady <laughs> after the afternoon. Sure. Same. I'm a lady of the afternoon as well. Yeah. Uh, okay, so over the weekend, Sky and I watched two movies. One is a new movie uh, called Blackberry. Oh, yeah. It is so good. That's what I've heard. So good. So if you liked a social network, which I know you love, love. this movie is for you. Like it's social network vibes. It's about the creation of the BlackBerry phone and like how it sort of revolutionized. It it basically paved the way for smartphones to exist. And Glenn, what's his face from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is in it. Oh, I'm not familiar with that show Dennis on all, it's always funny anyway keep going the performances are are fantastic in it and so it follows the basically the story of the creation of the blackberry is these two uh engineer nerdy engineer guys one who's extremely awkward and the other who's just like kind of a man child create like this idea for basically what became the blackberry but yeah. they cannot sell it because they are such messes and they're yeah. so bad at communicating and they end up meeting this man who is like the biggest ass that you could ever possibly imagine in the world. But he's like this high powered business person who sees the, the he's bald. I don't know who, who sees this uh, opportunity and is like, Oh, you guys are flubbing this. Like, so he goes in and basically takes half of the business and like kind of strong arms his way through the industry and ends up making this like a billion dollar company. And it's, um, it, it follows like kind of the rise of the BlackBerry, the problems that they encountered, and sort of ends with the iPhone entering the picture and making the BlackBerry basically irrelevant. Remember how everyone had a BlackBerry? Yeah. Yeah. Like they were, I mean, they were the thing, yeah. right? Because iPhone wasn't out yet. Yeah. And so if you were a professional, you had a BlackBerry. Yeah. You, you either had, because you could T9 text on your flip phone or you could get a BlackBerry with the full keyboard and, you know, do it with your thumbs. One of the most interesting parts of the movie is when they introduce it to somebody like the this BlackBerry concept and they have the full keyboard. Um, the guy it, tries to type it with his like pointer finger and they're like, no, use your thumbs. And like, I was like, oh yeah, that probably wasn't like intuitive because nobody had ever like had a keyboard like that before where you just used your two thumbs to like type on the keyboard, but that's how you use Blackberries, Eli, right? I have something I have to admit to you. Hmm. It wasn't until like, two or three years ago that I started texting with both hands. What? What do I do? I th- For a long time, I was just like using my index finger to type out everything. Yeah, because I, I use my two thumbs. Yeah, now I'm like two thumbs and you I'm flying. You index finger? I did for a long time. That is so slow, Meg. I'm trying to I do know, it right but now. In my mind, it was like, it's a phone. And you on a phone, you just dial. Okay. I had to like reprogram my brain to be like, no, this is a keyboard. You are word processing. That's so interesting. So according to this film, whether it's accurate or not, like the BlackBerry is the reason why we use our thumbs on it our keyboards. On, on phones. Yeah. So it's really fascinating. I do miss like that tactile keyboard, like the button. That's part of the movie. Because the when the iPhone comes out, the guy is like, people aren't going to like this because people like being able to press the buttons. Yeah, a real button. Yeah. Bring back so, the real buttons, yeah. Tim Cook. Yeah. Um, this is a relatively, like, I guess it's kind of a high stress movie, except that like, 
I know that they're successful. So I never felt personally that stressed about it. Yeah. Uh, and it is very much social network vibes. I think you're going to love it. Okay. I can't wait. Uh, and then we watched Mystic Pizza on Saturday night. You did? I've, I've never seen it. never seen it. And Meg, this movie's a good time. Is it? Julia Roberts is a force. Like this yeah. is before Julia Roberts was Her Julia first, Roberts. Like, thing, right? Yeah, and and it's you know it's about three women. Two of them are sisters, and one is their friend. And they work at like this pizza place in a town called Mystic. And each of them has like a very unique kind of romantic love story. And the movie is about each of those stories and these three women like supporting one another through them. Yeah. It's like a, it's a comfort film. Like, it's very cute. I, it was, like, surprisingly well-written. We had a good time with it. Okay. I had low expectations, but I was like, Mystic Pizza, it's a Julia Roberts film I've never seen. Let's try it. I feel like it's a thing of legends, just because when you talk about Julia Roberts, it's like, well, she got her break in Mystic Pizza, but no yeah. one's ever, really, ever actually sat down and watched Mystic Pizza. Yeah, I mean, I, what I'll say is it's a straight-up B film. Like, don't go in expecting an A+, plus, but I went in expecting a C-, minus, and I was like, this was really pleasant. Good Candy Crush movie? Uh, yeah. You don't need to have your full brain on it. Yeah. Uh, a couple of the love interests are cuties. Okay. So there's that. The men. The, yeah, the men. Okay. I mean, the women are all cuties as well. Yeah. But th that that's a, usually a given in these kind of films. The men being cuties is not always a given. That's you know what true. I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we have different standards. But in this movie, I was like... Very well. Okay. Okay. V very well Love done film. Good job, Mystic Pizza. Yeah. Uh, we started watching Platonic. It's an Apple series. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne. Um, it is like every Apple series for me. My review is it's fine. Okay. And I, it's like just, just good enough that I just keep watching it. That's how every Apple series is. Every single one. Uh huh. Including, and I'm so sorry to say it, but that soccer show oh ted lasso ted lasso i didn't even try actually, i didn't this last season i actually that, that yeah that's not true i i gave up on ted lasso after like four episodes but yeah even season one yeah i couldn't do it i it's like season one and then i started season two and i was like no is it too saccharine too saccharine uh yes too saccharine that's the perfect word too earnest too um armchair psychologist oh interesting yeah the thing is i i'm kind of jealous of people who like it because the fandom seems to have a lot of fun with it but it just something about it does not work with a cell like a certain i don't know DNA. even the fandom this last season was like what happened oh here? really yeah um because i i know i think we've talked about this before um schitt's creek's final season tough was kind of tough for me and I felt like Ted Lasso started and it was like as if Schitt's Creek had a season seven like the next season yeah and I was like oh this is like even more beyond where that show ended up that like was already getting to be too much for me yeah so anyway no shade to Ted Lasso if that is your jam I am a little bit jealous of you because it looks like it could be fun if you like it but anyway we've been watching platonic Seth Rogen Rose Byrne Seth Rogen is not typically for me my exposure to Seth Rogen is usually I find him 75% annoying and 25% surprisingly funny. Mm. So like if I see a movie that he's in, it's like a lot of yelling and a lot of falling down. And I'm just like, Ugh, and a lot of per like perverted I I humor. I say 20 years ago, that's true. I think most of his projects lately have been far more mature than that. I agree, except that this show is, that, is the old Seth Rogen in a lot of ways. Oh, okay. It's a lot of, yeah, he's like, 
he plays a 40 year old bar owner and he's like kind of a man child and it's a lot of like slapstick physical comedy and whatever um but every once in a while like i do find him pretty funny I uh, I just I hate like the yelling humor, the Seth Rogen like we're all screaming at each other humor. Mm-hmm. It's not for me. I love Rose Byrne though, mm-hmm. and I will watch her in anything. Like I think she's so charismatic. Did you watch Physical? Mm-mm. What's that? It's another Apple TV series that I started and had to quit immediately. Like I just found it so grating. What is it? It's um she is an aerobics instructor who has body dysmorphia which should be like a pretty relatable yeah program but it had this running inner dialogue that like never stopped and it just it was too much for me oh that's annoying yeah she she's pretty charming in the show um so platonic is about rose Byrne and seth rogan they're like in their 40s they used to be best friends and they have like this friendship in their early 20s that is characterized as like that kind of friendship that you see other people have that is so exclusive of other people and it's like to a point where it's annoying uh-huh. where they're like so many inside jokes and like yeah, have their own language have their own language yeah and so but they had a falling out and the the this series starts with them reconnecting and now she's like a mom in her 40s and he's like a man child who never quite grew up and they rekindle their friendship and immediately get back into that annoying friendship, much to kind of the chagrin of like her husband and his friends uh-huh. were all like, this is annoying. Uh-huh. Uh, it's pretty well done for the most part. Okay. Um, they, they're avoiding a lot of like cliches and traps. Like I thought this was going to be a movie where like the husband is jealous because there's maybe an affair and they like don't even go there. Good. The husband is just like, she's kind of annoying when she's around him. But also I do <laughs> want her to like, like she's kind of like, she feels bad that she's a stay-at-home mom and like doesn't have enough outside and like he's kind of grappling with that and his friends are all kind of like like she is good for him in a lot of ways because she's like tempering some of his worst impulses but also they're so annoying together so Uh it's been i'm having a good time i'm like five episodes in do you know who wrote it Mm -mm. i i would assume it's like a seth rogan well i would assume it's a female and man who are good friends and self-aware yeah, maybe. I love I love when stories have a friendship between a man and a woman that never mm-hmm. turns romantic. That's why I started watching it is and and like there's a little bit of like straight people nonsense in the premise of the show, because like the premise of the show very much is like, is it even possible for a man and a woman to be friends? Which I like, like from episode 1989. Yeah, I was just like, yes, it is, because I'm a man and I have many female friends, you know, and what and I know I'm gay. Skylar mentioned that to me. He's like, yeah, but you're gay. And I was like, I also have gay male friends that yeah. nobody ever asks if it's possible for us. Like, this is a straight people problem. Yeah. OK. But, and like a fake problem, because like, yeah, we all have coworkers who are friends who are. Yes. The opposite sex. It's not realistic yeah. to like what. But uh, what I will say is like I was the first episode set up the premise like that. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. And then after that, they kind of abandoned that question. And they haven't been doing that trope, at least as far as I can tell. Okay. It's just gone into like they're friends and everybody's annoyed with them. So I think that sounds really funny. I'm going to watch it. Check it out. Um, that's basically it. What have you been watching? Uh, we went and saw Mission Impossible yes. 7, Dead Nine, Reckoning, Part 1. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven watched all of the other Mission Impossibles leading up to this with our children. Whoa, that's a commitment. Yeah, they loved it. Ramona especially loved it. Ramona is my 8-year-old, and she is so into Mission Impossible. Fun. I picked her up from the pool the other night and they wanted to go watch Mission Impossible. And she was like, come on, we got to go. I got to see if Ethan Hunt's going to save the world. And I was like, wow, you are in this 
um, <laughs> at a level that I respect. <laughs> um, it is pretty bad dialogue. Okay. Pretty hammy. But the set pieces are so fun. Really? Yeah. And, like, I'm not an action girly. Like, I get pretty bored. Same. Uh, and I was captivated the whole movie. Okay. So I we saw it in IMAX, which I don't recommend because it's a lot of close-ups. And okay. you're like, wow, that's a huge face. Mm -hmm. All I'm looking at is a huge face. I know Tom Cruise wants you to see it in IMAX. You don't have to listen to Tom Cruise. Mm -hmm. You can go see it on whatever side that, screen you we want. We should listen to him less often. I think that we would do well to listen to Tom Cruise less often. <laughs> in fact, never listen to him unless he's on your screen playing a character. <laughs> that's a very good idea. Uh, good advice. But it was a, it was a really fun fun time um i continue my journey backward through vanderpump rules which just got mm. an emmy nomination bt dubs which really? i think is very deserved what's the nomination uh like best reality show unscripted reality show Did you see the other two got zero nominations interesting the emmys are stupid yes except for giving vanderpump rules an okay. emmy nomination this, except That's for the this one, one thing. choice i support <laughs> okay. and the bear got some yeah um it is, I just finished season eight, which was their first season pre-COVID. Um, and, you know, at the end of the season, they have like a Zoom episode where they all get together mm -hmm. and are like talking about the season. And it's just wild. Like, I feel like an archaeologist who is unearthing <laughs> these artifacts, going back in time with the context I have all about all these people now, discovering what they were like before. I'm having the time of my life. Mm. It's so great. Um, we're still watching 30 Rock. Uh, speaking of friendships between male and females where it never oh. turns romantic, Jack Donaghy and Liz Lemon it's are... the best part of the show. It's so good. Mm -hmm. It's so great. Um, and then we went and we saw Barbie. Barbie! Okay, tell me what you thought. So we went together, which was very fun. Uh -huh. I love it when we go to movies together, Meg. Yes, it's, it really brings this podcast to life. Just for old time's sake, will you give me a grade on my behavior during the movie? You did start singing along to the Indigo Girls song. Other than that. <laughs> I did? Yes. <laughs> you were next to me going, closer I am to <laughs> Which I'm so happy for you. I didn't even notice. Yeah, I, I know did. you didn't. Um, so like A minus. Okay. Which is That's good. probably the best grade you've yeah, ever given. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you've gotten some C's in the past, a couple D's. Yeah. Uh what do I what did I think? Look, A plus, four stars. This film is so fun. It is laugh out loud funny. This is not a perfect film. I have a couple of criticisms that we can get into, but like my criticisms did not diminish my ability to enjoy this experience. I think it is like as funny and as beautiful as it is, it is also really insightful and contemplative and thoughtful. And it's on the nose about being insightful, but because it's a Barbie movie, like it being on the nose about its message is sort of part of the point and yeah. part of the joke. Yeah. So it, it's like, there's so much like meta to what the storytelling is that like it, I felt like when when it ended, I was just like, that felt like the Mona Lisa. Like, that just felt like a very cool production to me. I have been thinking all morning about what I want to say about mm -hmm. this. Um, and I agree. It's not a perfect movie. There were moments when I thought, I'm not sure it was successful, but I still enjoyed those moments. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I was like, when I have my critic hat on, which I pretend to do for this podcast, 
you know, I could be like, I don't know if this and this and this worked. And in other movies, that would bother me and detract from the overall movie. But because this movie is just a bunch of insane nonsense, I was like, whatever. Whatever. It's all working because none of it's working. Like, this is a fever dream, and I love every second of it. It was, you know, I... I had this thought about 20 minutes into it, and it was the same thought I had when we saw Everything Everywhere All at Once, where I was like, I need to not care about the rules of this universe yeah, and just let this movie happen. Because if I try and like understand the rules of what is going on, I'm going to go a little crazy. Yes. And so once I was just like, whatever, there's Barbie land, there's the real world. For some reason, she crosses over to, into the real world and then they go back to Barbie land and like there's a whole lot of mess happening. And I don't care how that all took place. Yeah, it doesn't. You don't. If you tried matter. and care, you would get so frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> like my sweet husband can't watch about time because he gets mm-hmm. too caught up in the time travel. And I'm like, no, you've got to be dumber about this. Just like you've just got to let that go. Yeah. That's very much how this is. You'll have such a better time if you don't get caught up in the mechanics yeah yeah so i think um my so to that like that is not part of my criticism because i'm okay with it just being wacky and not making sense my my i think my criticism of the movie is um and this is a bit of a spoiler alert so if you care you know don't listen but um this is a film about there's a barbie land with a bunch of barbies and kens who are all just like living in this like absolute barbie bliss and the barbies all think that they have solved feminism in the real world by having a bunch of barbies who have all sorts of different professions um but then for reasons traditional barbie and traditional ken end up crossing over to the real world and finding out that the patriarchy is alive and well and then um barbie takes a woman and her daughter from the real world back into Barbie land and finds out that Ken is introducing patriarchy into Barbie land. And so all the Barbies and this real world mom and daughter have to like come up with a plan to stop the patriarchy from taking over. That's basically the plot of the film. Um, My criticism is the mother and daughter from the real world, I don't feel like were realized characters and they did not make sense to me. And you you're introduced to them as though the mother and daughter have like a very strained relationship, but then like that flips on a dime and suddenly they're like best friends and they're like having a great time in Barbie world. And I was like, what is the point of these? I did not understand the point of those two characters at all. Okay. So I, uh, I'm informed in part by some podcasts I listened to today, both the daily and today. The daily was so good. I wanted to talk about this. Um, I think it was on Today Explained that a writer for New York Magazine was on talking about it. And so, yes, they bring back these America Ferreira um, and then the actress who plays her daughter. I regret not knowing her name. Um, And it is America Ferreira who gets the Greta Gerwig monologue in this. In every Greta Gerwig movie, there's a monologue about feminism and what it means to be a woman which sounds trite but they're always successful and they're yeah they're really well written because she's a genius she's a genius um and the fact that it was the real human woman who got to explain to the barbies what it means to be a real human woman um and a from a perspective that a Barbie could never understand, I think that was pretty significant. I do agree there wasn't a lot of character development leading into it. But again, this whole thing is so wacky that I didn't, it didn't feel 
it just would have made the movie longer. And I think this movie was like the perfect length. You you know, I think that's right. I and I I had no problem with her having that monologue. I just was like, as she was giving him like, this is a really well written monologue. Who are you? Like, why are you in this though? Like, yeah. And I, I guess I just wish that there had been like slightly more. And maybe they could have just not even had the daughter be involved and just have this woman who's like, like just show her feeling like she's failing in life, and then go up to Barbie Land and be like, yeah, these are all like great ideals. Okay. But not to get too academic here, but I do feel like they both represented like a wave of feminism right mm, like yeah. sasha is barbie's a fascist she represents an unrealistic body ideal um all of these talking points we hear about barbie all the time and she's also like a young angry girl who who's yeah. probably just hit puberty just stopped playing with barbies like the kind of that foundational age we all go through and then her mom is kind of like almost a more recent wave of feminism that's like actually you can be anything you want if you want to mm -hmm. be barbie you can be barbie if you want to be a mom you can be a mom if you want a full-time career you can have a full-time career and i felt like those two characters were in opposition at the beginning because that's how the opinions on barbie are mm -hmm. and then greta gerwig melded them together and found a resolution i think as a way for us to find a resolution about our relationships with Barbie. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think to that, the the most interesting point uh, that the movie made that I've been thinking about today was when the real world woman gives this big monologue and the, the kind of the idea of the monologue is like, women are expected to be this, but also this and this, but also this. And like, basically like, we're expected to be perfect. Yeah. And so, and the the point that I, I think this was intended, but like, I keep thinking about it was, and so this company made Barbie, which is the perfect woman and Barbie is subject to constant criticism yeah. in society. So even this doll that is the perfect woman, everyone hates her. Yeah. And like, which is real in real life. And like, the criticism is is merited, I think, you know, I, I hear a lot of the, these things yeah. about like the bo body positivity and, you know, whatever else. But like that is sort of like a broader idea of like and even when it's perfect, then we're like, she's too perfect. Yeah, and she's too perfect. And this is bad. You're setting girls up for failure. Yeah. And it's like like as she was saying that, I was like, oh, my gosh, like we we all do this. Yeah. And it's really upsetting to have that shown to me. Yeah, no, being a woman sucks. Like, it straight up sucks. I don't know how she explained it better than I've ever been able to articulate it. Like, it is yeah. an impossible position to be in. And it's it's um, juxtaposed against this very, very comedic, hyperbolic, over-the-top uh, depiction of Ken wandering through the real world and just like getting kudos just for existing, yeah. you know? And it's like, it's very funny and tongue in cheek, of course. And Ryan Gosling is so funny in this movie. Ryan Gosling is our funniest actor. This is the most I've ever liked him. Oh. Um, he... Lars and the Real Girl. Did you see Lars and the Real Girl? Uh -uh. Oh my gosh. You need to go watch Lars and the Real Girl. Oh, I will. Okay. It's about him being in a relationship with a sex doll in a mm -hmm. small town in Canada. Uh huh. And the town kind of being like, okay, if it makes him happy, it's so good. Interesting. He's, I, I never dislike him, but sometimes he's a little bit of a dud for me. First Man, I thought he was kind of a dud in that movie. I think he was miscast in that. I think he was too. Um, And so I kind of went into this like, oh, Ryan Gosling, he's so funny great. in this. Margot Robbie is also great. She's perfect. Yeah. Like maybe top five greatest living actress right now, I think. Yeah. 
I did not realize she was actually the force behind this, that it was Margot yeah. Robbie who came to Greta Gerwig and said, let's make this movie. Right. So, so yeah, we, you and I both listened to The Daily this morning. Great episode of The Daily about Barbie and kind of like the history behind it and how this movie got made. It includes a bit of an interview with Greta Gerwig. Um, I, I was, it answered some of my questions because this movie in in some ways paints Mattel, the company, which was behind the movie as a bit of a villain of the movie. I cannot believe what they got away with in this. And well, the the Daily kind of answered it. And essentially the, what happened was Mattel was like, we need to like rebrand a little bit because Barbie's been maligned. We should make a movie, but we can't make a propaganda movie because it'll be boring. But we can't make just a straight up satirical movie because like that won't work for us. And so they they come up with like a short list of directors and Greta Gerwig is the top of the list because she's sort of the moment. Like she knows how to speak the yeah. language of 2023. They go to her. They're like, Could, would you be willing to like write and make this? And Greta Gerwig like essentially is like, only if I'm like, if I have creative license to do what's right by the story. And to their credit, Mattel and Warner Brothers were like, okay. And so she was like, okay. So she made these decisions to like, Paint Mattel is basically a bunch of like misogynistic dummies in a lot of ways. But not really villains. Not kind of dumb. Not in like the way you, you usually see corporations and films become villainized. But yeah, like bumbling idiots, a boardroom full of men making Barbies and like being a little bit called out for that. And them just being kind of like, we're just trying to make a doll for the girls, yeah. you know, and like. And they look, Mattel looks pretty stupid in the movie, I think. And I think that was really smart. I think on it was their smart. Too. I think that was like incredibly self aware. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it was smart of them too. And th this is a movie that threaded the needle of kind of like making fun of Barbies and Barbie universe, but also like throwing a bone to like people who have nostalgia around them and just being like, and they're also fun. I kind of forgot about how I played with Barbies until this movie. I loved Barbies. I was Barbie core. Huh. I had so many Barbies. All of my friends had Barbies. When we got together, we played with Barbies. And it's very clear that Greta Gerwig played with Barbies. The lifting the doll off the house, you don't mm -hmm. make her walk down the stairs, you just lift her off, is this weird phenomenon that really resonated with me. The brushes that are way too big for the Barbie's hands, but yeah. the size you need to brush the Barbie's hair, her standing under the shower with no water coming out. Like, there were just so mm -hmm. many perfect little details that... Her feet always in that high heel position, always, whether everything she's wearing being shoes plastic, or not. The ocean being plastic and the beach being pink. It was... Mm -hmm. Ken, being, Ken being superfluous. Completely superfluous. He's, he's just and there just to, Ken. to surf. He's yeah. just beach. It just beach Ken. And there's a, there's, there's a joke early on where the narrator comes over and says... Barbie always has a good day. Ken only has a good day when Barbie decides to play with him. Yes. And it's like, I'm sure as a kid, you never just played with Ken. No. Right? Like it I was like, if, if 25 Ken, Barbies and one Ken. If Ken was involved in the game, it was because he was interacting with Barbie, right? Which is feminism. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I spent all my other time thinking about Barbie, who was me in the future. When you're playing Barbie, you, you pass are, the Bechdel test every time. You, yes. You are like, this is the woman I am going to become. And here's her job. And here's how she takes care of her kids. And here's her life. Oh, yeah. And here's Ken. Mm -hmm. Like that. And that was it. That's how we played. And the way this movie nailed that so perfectly, truly astounding. Blew my mind. Mm. 
What, is, what do you think of kind of more broadly and then how it was handled in this film, the criticism in recent years about like the body positivity aspect of Barbie and how, you know, Bar Barbie was this impossible figure, right? Physical figure. And it perhaps had a detrimental effect on girls. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think through my answer. I They kind of address it in this movie. Um by having Ruth, the creator of the Barbie, say no woman looks like Barbie. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, if it affected my body consciousness, uh, it was subliminal. I was never like, ah, because I played with Barbies, I feel this way about my Barbie. Because I've never seen an actual woman mm -hmm. that looks like Barbie. And Except Barbies. for Margot Robbie. But even Margot <laughs> yeah. Robbie's boobs aren't that big, yeah, you know? Yeah. And her waist isn't that small because she's a human woman. Yeah. Um, for me, it was always like, this is an aspirational thing. And I am so sorry to report that most women still want to be thin and beautiful, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I think, I don't think that's Barbie's fault. I think Barbie is a reflection of the time she was created in. Yeah. What do you think about it? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I'm going to have a different experience with this. You know, I didn't play with Barbies growing up and obviously you I'm not really a woman. truly missed out. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. Uh, Barbie Land is cast with, you know, a hundred different kinds of Barbie, and they're all, they they like all types of people, right, are cast in this movie as Barbie. And Margot Robbie is that traditional, like the perfect Barbie, you know, that traditional stereotypical, stereotypical Barbie. Barbie. Yeah, and um, I I enjoyed the casting in Barbie Land. Like I thought it was fun and it like seemed like a fun environment, but it was very clearly intentional to be like, we're not just going to cast a hundred traditional stereotypical oh, Barbies yeah. here because like we, it felt like there was commentary happening there. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And to be clear, I think if Barbie started from the ground up today, Barbie would be a lot of different shapes and sizes and colors as mm -hmm. she has transformed into B as society yeah. has transformed. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's Barbie's fault that women want to look a certain way. I think that Barbie was created the way she was because women want to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. I was, I, I think, a little bit surprised at how funny this movie was. I feel like I missed half of the dialogue because we everyone laughing. was laughing so hard. Yeah. It is full of jokes. It, like, good jokes. Good, like, yes, 10 out of 10 jokes. Like, there's this entire sequence, spoiler alert, in, like, the third act where um, all of the Barbies back in Barbie Land have been brainwashed by... Uh, by Ryan Gosling's patriarchy that he's introduced into Barbie land. And so they've all become like bimbos, like just, just brainwashed versions of themselves. And so Margot Robbie, Barbie, and uh, what's her name? Uh, weird Barbie. Weird. Oh, <laughs> Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon, who's weird Barbie and <laughs> so funny in this movie. Oh like yeah. That? Yeah. Because of you. Did and they had melted them? heads. Yeah. And yeah. Cause we put them in the microwave. My, my, I remember my sister had a Barbie that like the head came off and, I feel like a lot of kids did this, thought that we could just melt the head back onto the Barbie in the microwave. Oh, sure. So we have like a lot of melted head Barbies. Yeah. Um, you always think it's a good idea to cut your Barbie's hair and it's always a disaster. <laughs> Every time. And so, yet you keep cutting their hair. So Kate McKinnon plays a very funny version of that Barbie that's just like the, the child has done everything to it. And she's just she's weird Barbie. Um, but anyway, there's this whole sequence where... 
Kate McKinnon and Margot Robbie have to figure out ways to take the other Barbies one by one and re like unprogram them from uh -huh. the, the patriarchy. And um, the way they like basically overcome the patriarchy is they they're like, OK, we just have to do all these things that these that make these men think we care about them. And th this sequence is so funny. It is so funny because it's not like toxic masculinity it's right. not like tell me your creatine powder you take it's like explain the godfather to me yeah so like well yeah they're like ask him to explain the god so she'll go in and be like i don't understand the godfather can we watch it and you can explain it to me the whole time and he's like yes it's just like <laughs> greta wasn't interested in roasting just one kind of male mm -mm. she was interested in <clears throat> roasting every kind of male with this sequence and it is so successful. and there's a part of the sequence where all of the kens are on the beach with guitars each of them serenading their own Barbie with, um, what's that song? Um, push, push You Around. Matchbox 20. <laughs> Matchbox 20, Eli, Push You Around. when I was in high school, the doorbell rang. I go to answer it. It's three boys I go to high school with who stood there and played a song for me on the guitar. Uh -huh. And I watched, and I was like, I don't know what to do with my face here. <laughs> How am I supposed to react to this? And they finished, and I was like, okay. Thank you. <laughs> and they thought that was like I was going to be yeah. swept away by that. You and I were in a theater packed with gays and girlies. Uh, it was pretty much. Not a straight man. In I life. don't think no. so. I didn't Which see Which is one. why I did not bring my husband. You were like, are you bringing Steven? I was like, I don't, I don't think that's this the move. This isn't going to be that's his. That's not the move. <laughs> um, it was gays and girlies. That, when the guitars came out especially, the theater was like uproarious laughter. It was because we all that. have lived through it, or like know people who have. <laughs> like, <laughs> so good, so spot on. And I think you're right. Like, I I keep seeing like all the everything's a culture war now. Yeah. Um. Oh, the Fox News reaction to this is hilarious. It's hilarious. Listen, if you're like this is going to be too woke for me. You know, if that's your perspective, I'm just going to ask you to do yourself a favor and just let all of that go and just go have a good time. Or like do one Google about or, who Greta Gerwig is yeah, before you go see this. This is a perfectly fine film. This is not trying to manipulate you into anything. It's teaching a message that is tongue-in-cheek and also important, but like don't take it too seriously. But anyway, all of this to say, um, to, to the point you made just a couple minutes ago, I totally agree. It didn't feel like and this is a man-hating movie that needs to skewer men. It felt like a movie that was like, there are reasons why we can make fun of what a lot of men do yes. without like vitriol behind it. Yeah. Because in the end, the Kens don't end up being like villains. No. Like in the end, they're like all like, okay, like we I all mean, had our fun and now let's get back to Barbie land. All and... they want is validation, right? Yeah. All Ken wants is like, an internal world without having to have Barbie look at him. Which is commentary on what a lot of women, how a lot of women in our society have felt for centuries, Forever. for millennia. Forever. Just like recognize me as a human being with a brain. I'm not superfluous to the man's life. Like, yeah. you know, and, and it, you know, the gender, the gender of it all is sort of flipped on its head in Barbie land. And I think it, it's effective in making that point. But like, yeah, it, it didn't feel like men suck. And this is like a movie about how men suck. It felt just like very funny and very like witty commentary that as a man watching it, I didn't feel attacked, but like I felt very entertained by. It's, it's I mean, it's very lighthearted and tongue in cheek and 
you can laugh about it the way I laugh about blonde jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one part of this movie that made me cry, and I thought America Ferrera's monologue was beautiful and true, but the part that made me cry um, is, and this is a major spoiler, so if you have not seen Barbie, turn this off now, come back when you've watched Barbie, but uh, Barbie is having a conversation with Ruth, and she says, I really want to be a human woman. It's a very Pinocchio moment, and Ruth says, well, I can't let you do that without you fully understanding what that means, and she takes her hands, and there's this um, collection of clips of women in every part of their lives as babies, having babies, winning a bowling tournament, like just all of these really brief glimpses of what it means to be a woman. And it's beautiful. Um, and that part got me really emotional. And the movie ends um, by Margot Robbie becoming an actual human woman and America Ferreira and her daughter and her husband, who is actually America Ferreira's husband in real oh, life. Oh, really? Yeah, drop her off, and she's wearing a blazer, and she's going to this building, and you're like, oh, what's Barbie going to do? She's going to get a job. Yeah, like, yeah. what career has she established? And she walks up to the desk, and they say, what are you here for? And she says, I'm here for my gynecologist appointment, which is hilarious. It's so funny, but also made me cry because it's like, being a woman is so complicated and so hard and so ugly and painful. Like, the gynecologist is the worst place in the world. But she realizes, like, what it means yeah. to be a woman who's complicated. And even though the world hates her, it's wonderful. You know, I just mm-hmm. felt like it was just the perfect, perfect button, pitch perfect way to end mm-hmm. that movie. I totally agree. This I don't say this about movies very often. I usually say the opposite. This is a movie that for me, especially worked in the second half. Yeah. Like, normally I'm like, kind of falls apart in the second half. Well, especially like a goofy, frenetic movie like this. Yeah. Usually the second half is when it's like, well, okay. So the the first half of this movie, I was like, I'm enjoying this. I don't know what this movie is supposed to be, but I'm enjoying it. The second half, I was like, oh, wow, this is like actually really cool storytelling. Yes. And that conclusion, listen, Greta Gerwig, both, this is her third movie that she's directed. Uh, little Woman, Lady, Lady Bird, Bird yeah. in this. Yeah. Three in a row, perfect ending. She may have co-directed Frances Ha. I'm not sure. I don't know that. But of those three movies, like, Lady Bird is one of my favorite endings of any movie yeah. I've ever seen. I think about it constantly. Um, Lady Bird going and sitting on the steps of the Catholic Church and calling her mom makes me cry every time. Yeah. Um, the ending of Little Women with her, like, rewriting her story and then, like, finishing at the the school or that she's opened up for girls and just kind of like looking like almost half at peace I think is like such a perfect ending to that movie and this walking up and saying I'm here to see my gynecologist and then it goes to black screen and it's Barbie I was like that is I I I, you could have given me a million years and I never would have written a line better than I'm here to see my gynecologist It's, it's it's perfect and for everything that happened up to that point and the audience reaction to that line was explosive. Yeah. And it was like, ah, this movie was, she's a, she's an absolute genius. I cannot wait to see what else she does. I mean, and she, I think we especially feel that way because she's 39 years old. She's, yeah. She grew up in Sacramento. Yeah, like she's very much a West Coaster. Our cloth. Yes. You and me and millennials, I mean. Well, I mean, I think you and I probably were both introduced to her via Lady Bird, right? I had seen Frances Ha, and okay. I'd seen a couple other movies she'd been in, but her director debut, yeah, Lady Bird. La- Lady Bird is a top five favorite film of all time for me. Yeah. I've probably watched it 10 times at this point. Um, the 
th this was a film that especially resonated with you and me because it's about a girl who was in high school in 2002, 2003, when you and I were finishing high school. Yeah. And in a town that, frankly, is not that different than the towns we grew up in. Could be Provo. Could have been Provo or South Jordan, Utah. And that movie so captured, like, that time period for me and, like, what it felt like to be 17, 18 at that time. It was about a girl. It probably even hit closer to home for you. Mm -hmm. But, like, it still hit home for me. And I think Greta Gerwig is, like, she's just so good at, like, understanding, like, what these human stories can look like and then not not preaching a message that is over the top to a point that you're like rolling your eyes they, you just kind of let these stories happen to you and they feel very real even in a movie like barbie that's insane yeah it still felt like i was like this feels like it was made by humans like yeah, i don't well, because know like... it's so specific yeah yeah it has a specificity that makes it feel personal and uh makes it feel like me and greta gerwig are close friends yeah we're yeah. not She'll never know who I am, but I hold her dear to my heart, you know? Yeah. I felt like this movie was very much in conversation with Dear God, It's Me, Margaret. Oh, so good. I think that if you wanted to do a double feature, uh, that would be the one to do. I'm not so sure about Barbie and Oppenheimer, <laughs> which I'm seeing tonight. Yeah. I think that might be a one-two punch <laughs> a little too much. Um, I, I I just loved it. I loved it so much. Mm -hmm. Any final thoughts? I, I would recommend it to everyone. Um, I'm not sure I would take my kids. Why? Um, there is some... Don't you think the innuendo would be over their heads? I do, but I also think a lot of, like, the main points would be over their heads. Not that mm -hmm. they're too adult for them. They just... I I would maybe take Ivy. Uh, so y you're a parent and I'm not. I My thought, I was like, I bet kids would love this because it's so fun, even though they probably wouldn't understand the story. And maybe I just need to be okay with that. And yeah. then they'll watch it again when they're 30 and, and like, be like, oh, oh. you know, like <laughs> me watching Grease. Yeah. Um, but like, it's not, I didn't feel like it was inappropriate. Like there's no, there's no there's profanity. There's a couple jokes about like genitalia that oh, my, I probably wouldn't take my eight year old because I know she'd repeat those jokes. <laughs> Okay, okay. You know, and, and we'd, like, probably have a conversation. About how Barbie, la like, the Barbies and Ken's lack of genitalia. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And, you know, I feel like I can talk to my 11-year-old and be like, you know, it's not really polite to talk in mixed company about those <laughs> things. And she'd be okay with it. Yeah. The 8-year-old's a little bit more of a loose cannon, so. Yeah. But, I, yeah, now when I think about by, it. I think by and large, it's. It's very fun. It's a pretty and fun and pleasant film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening. We will be talking about Oppenheimer next week. Yep. So that might be a stone cold bummer. Mm -hmm. Uh, we'll see you then. Mm -hmm.